My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Hello, Stitchers! Hey, everybody! Welcome to another exciting episode of the Ominous Stitch Podcast. So exciting. I am very excited for today because it's another true crime, which I know I shouldn't be... Oh, 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 oh! No! (laughs) That's a lot of O's. I feel like I'm new kids on the block all of a sudden. Oh, 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 oh! Oh, oh, oh. Shows how old we are. Yeah, yeah. I love that we both can experience new kids on the block. I loved NKOTB when I was growing up. I didn't see them until I was like 30 and they did their reunion tour. Okay. My parents wouldn't let me go because I was too young. I I never saw a concert either. I have have stories about NKOTB, but my husband (laughs) took me to see them when I was in my 30s and I was crying when they came out on stage and screaming. And he was like, what the heck is going on? (laughs) What is this? Bringing back childhood fantasies. Uh, Okay. But New Kids on the Block is not ominous and not what we're talking about today. No, 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 no. And it's not... it's true crime, but yes, but it involves ghosts. I know it. It's so a this crossover. is a fun one. Yeah, it's a this episode. is a cool one. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so let's 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 dive in and let's talk about stitches. Okay, yeah, you go first. Okay, so my stitches is something that hopefully everyone can relate to, and you can laugh about this because it is something that you get to laugh about later. eventually. <laughs> later. <laughs> okay, so. How many of you out there put your hands in the air it, or take a like stitch? Just don't care. Okay. Go. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. That's another new kids on the block thing. Okay. <laughs> How many of you guys out there have ever put together furniture? Yes. 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 Multi-step process. Uh-huh. So we bought a Murphy bed as a guest bed for our guests because we yes. you know, do have family that live outside of Southern California that do come and visit. Mm-hmm. So we bought a Murphy bed. It's and from Ikea or no? No, That's, it's from okay. it's from a, a company that sells so Murphy you'd, beds. you'd think it'd be better. Yeah, I think, it, you know, and it, it, is, it is a very like solidly constructed piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. But my husband, when we were ordering it, there was an option where you could have somebody put it together for like a thousand dollars. Oh, my gosh. I was right? going to ask you that. I was like, I would be like, yeah, 200 bucks. Let's do this. No, it was like one thousand dollars, maybe less than that. But like Still, it was a lot of money. And my husband money. was like, no, yeah, no, no, we can do this. Yeah. There are video tutorials. I watched them. We got this. You got we can this. do this. Now we're both like, maybe we should have paid the money. It's <laughs> like, maybe it was worth it. <laughs> Man, this thing has been it's a beast. Huh? It's a beast. It's a beautiful beast. Yes, it is. But like every step of the way, we put something together wrong. So we've had to undo it and put it back together. <laughs> oh, no! And then trying to anchor it onto the wall. And it's been a headache but it's just you two and it's just us trying to do it but you know and he's a very handy guy I'm not that handy but he's very handy and he's still like it's frustrating frustrating. and the most frustrating thing about putting together this Murphy bed is that the videos when you're watching the person on the video they're Mm -hmm. done in like 20 minutes and they're just like you just do this do 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 and then it's done and you're like but how? Oh, gosh. Because no. Yes. You're like, <laughs> nope, not that's that not that. Yep. It doesn't go that way. I feel like that with a lot of things in life. Oh, my God. Like, it's this easy. And you're like, no, it's not. And it's frustrating because you're like, how is it not 
that easy for me. Right. And you could just sit there and do it in like 20 seconds. Because they do it all the time. They do it all the time. And I have to keep reminding myself that. Yes. But we've had many moments putting this headache of a piece of furniture together. Oh, no. Where we're both looking at it like, how? 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 Why is this that hard? And why is it that like crazy? Frustrating. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway that's my stitch I'm putting sorry. together furniture I mean uh, like I said at least it's not from Ikea because we've had many of Ikea furniture where you're like this doesn't fit together why no does yes. it make any yes. sense and no then, the pieces they they fit together and they work and sure. this is just like but it's just hard to put together. it's hard to put together it's huge too yeah so, it's, yeah you know it's a queen size Murphy bed that has bifolding bookcases yeah. so I mean it's That's a complicated intense. piece of furniture that we're like oh we got this and you know and, good and it's good yeah <laughs> it's a story now that we get to talk about and laugh remember when we put together the Murphy yeah. bed <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things so anyway, that's my story. Nicole, nice. what has you in stitches? Okay, I have an angry stitch. No. Okay, LAUSD. I'm looking at yes. you, Uh-oh. LAUSD. Come at me because... So <laughs> I got... <laughs> Them's fighting words, Nicole. <laughs> no, right? No, no. Okay, I get home and I get this letter and it's talking about my little one saying, your little one's truant because he missed three days in September. Truant. Oh, And it's goodness. like belittling you because it's like... Oh, if How you miss this, miss, yeah, if yeah. you miss these many days, it's so hard to catch up and blah 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 blah. And I was like, dude, he was out with COVID. We followed LAUSD regulations. Yeah. We were in touch with this teacher the entire time. Yeah, even the principal, right? So who gets on their computer and types a letter <laughs> to the principal? I was fuming. You're such a mama bear. I'm. So, oh, I was like, no, my kid is not truant for crying out loud. I'll show you truant if you want him truant. So anyway. <laughs> I type a letter to his principal. I'm like, you know, we're, I was very formal about it, but I, at the end I was like, we just want a better way to, to, you know, get letters out across because this is, this is outdated. This yeah, is pre-COVID, yeah. right? When you're sending out truancy letters right. until you get, you know, COVID. And like, yeah. you're telling like, us to stay home and quarantine. We have to be gone. Yeah. We have to miss school. Yeah. I'm sorry. You told us to leave. I can send them to school with COVID. Sure. Let, let us do that. Sure, right? right. Yeah. So nice thing is, though, she emails me the next day and she's like, I 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. Please send me the letter. This comes from the district with my name on it. I was like, dang it, LAUSD. Of course. So, yeah. So I was really frustrated, but it got resolved within a day, I think. Good. Hopefully. But I want to go. I really want to go to like a town meeting with the LA doing but like I want to just yell at them. Go, Mama Bear. Go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm so frustrated because I was like, you know, that hurts because it's like your kid's not truant. He's not yeah. true. He's in first grade. Yeah. He missed three days of learning ABCs. Come on. He's right, smart. Right, so. right. He can catch up. He can that's catch up. That's fine. So, and he did. And he's great. So anyway, that's my stitch. LAUSD, man. Get your act Watch together. out. Nicole's coming after you. <laughs> we got Mama Bear on the loose. But just talk. But I like throw that letter away. Or like throw that record away. Because yeah, yeah. that's what I want, really. So Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. He's a first grader. First grade. And yes, we understand you're trying to prevent kids from just staying home because sure. they just don't want to go and you want to make sure that everybody is in school and right. learning. But that is a little bit it's too much. Yeah. It's, it's a little extra. intense. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I feel better now, thankfully. Okay, but I was fuming that day. Yeah. And then, oh, the funniest part was okay. our principal was like, can you can you scan this and send it to me? I had crumpled it up and threw it in the recycle bin. 
You're like, uh. so I was like, sure. And I dug it out and I like tried, tried to, to smooth it, it out. out. And so then, funny. but she went, she said, she said, oh, it's okay. No, no. I'll just forward them your email. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's there. But anyway, so that's my stitch. Oh, I'm cool. Okay, I'm good. Cool. Anyway, but I'm excited about today's episode. I'm very excited about today's episode. This is really fun. And you know what's crazy is that there are way more of these stories than <gasps> you think there are. We should do a whole series on these. Yeah, I maybe. love crossovers. I'm, I'm thinking of doing like a patron episode for the Ooh, extras. That would be good. So watch Speaking out. of crossovers, so our stitch today is kind of a crossover between a scarf and a sweater. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I told I told Angela, I was like, you have to make this for me because I, I will I'm wear it. I'm going to it for you. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So should we get stitching? Yeah. Then? Let's get stitching. Yay. Okay, Stitchers. So for today's pattern, this is a free pattern that you can find on Ravelry. Ravelry. It's a crochet sweater scarf pattern. There's many different variations of this pattern that I found on actual Ravelry too. You can pay for it if you want to, or you can just follow this one. This one seems like a pretty simple way to go about making this scarf so I thought that this would be a good one and I feel like this would be a good one because we're coming up on holiday season mm -hmm. and it's you know this is scarf weather right here even in Southern California we still get sweater weather here <laughs> good song yeah. okay so so this is like a combination between a scarf and a sweater it's Yay. got ribbed sleeves and it looks like you can make this sleeve length as long as you want but it's a chain 51 for the sleeve length so this is going up to 51. 51 chains. So it's probably, and you can make it longer or shorter if you yeah. want to, but the ribbing looks like it's an actual sleeve. It's going up past your elbow, probably okay. about to mid, mid bicep. <laughs> what, what's that? What arm? is that muscle? <laughs> mid, mid arm. Mid arm. Mid bicep. Yeah. Or even higher. I don't know. Depending upon how long 51 chains is. Yeah. You can like scoot it up too, or yeah, or I like scoot it, it up, pull it down. I like it to cover like my Me hands too. a little bit. Yeah. Yes. She, I'm wearing one wearing just a sweater like that. that is doing that right now. Yep. And so the, the sleeves are ribbed. And then the body of the scarf is nice, big, thick, and chunky. And it's just a single crochet that kind of makes a back and forth zigzag pattern. And Miss Nicole, <laughs> disclaimer, had to help me figure out what no. the wording was. Because I was like, I don't understand what, what she's doing She helps doing me here. more than I help and her. She's like, oh, you're just going back and forth in the in the single crochet. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to describe it briefly. But if you want to find it, it is, it is on Ravelry. Yeah, yeah. And it is Crochet with Corey. Oh. Is where That's I found nice this one. crochet with Corey, and this is her crochet sweater scarf. Thank and you, it Corey. It is a free pattern. So Yay. thank you, Corey. Thank you. Okay, and it's so cute. I love and it. And she uses Lionheart, Redheart, or Redheart. <laughs> I got you doing that. Lionheart. Lion, she either uses Redheart or Lion brand Lion those brand. are the two kinds. that's why but it is an acrylic yarn yeah and she starts off with a 5.5 millimeter hook okay which is it's you know not the j hook it's not the j hook <laughs> we are jumping on both sides of the j oh okay so we're using a 5.5 and a 6.5 oh okay yeah so we're jumping cool. back and forth so the sleeve length is she measures it about 14 inches long on the oh, sleeve okay. and then the main body length depending upon how long you want your scarf she offers various sizes so you can go uh 58 64 or 70 inches nice. depending upon how big you want that scarf I and it biggest. does wrap around you okay so we'll go 70 inches <laughs> yeah one. yeah all right i want it warming and, and it's cozy. about 
14 to 16 inches wide as well on the scarf part. So we're going to start with our 5.5 millimeter hook mm -hmm. and we're going to chain 51 and that is the length of the chain. Now, when you're doing this, you want to leave a super long tail okay? because you're going to use that tail to sew, oh, sew it back up it, once you're it. done. That makes sense. And so you're going to do some ribbing. What's ribbing? Ribbing is really fun and I do it differently than the way that she does it and I'm sure a lot of you have your own way of doing ribbing okay so the way that she does ribbing we'll do her way of ribbing first okay. and I'm probably going to do my way of ribbing when I yes as okay. I as I make this so you can do it either way you can matter. do it either way okay so you're going to chain 51 and then you're going to single crochet second chain from the hook blah 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 all the way back right so nice. you have the foundation row of single crochets yep and then you're going to chain one for your turning chain for row two. And then you're going to single crochet in back loops only oh. in each stitch across. Nice. Then you're going to chain one turn mm -hmm. again, back loops oh, only. Okay. So if you stay in the back loops only, it makes a rib pop up. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. I get it. Yes. Cool. And so you're going to do that until you have a total of, depending upon how big the sleeves need to be for you. So mm -hmm. she offers three sizes, as I said. So a yeah. small medium is 45 rows, 47 for a large and 49 for like an extra large. Got it. So once you've completed those rows, do not fasten off. Yes. Because then you're going to work on the short end of it. Ooh, yes. Okay. So you're going to kind of turn it on its side, right? Got it. And that's why we left that super long that's, tail okay, that makes so sense. that you can sew it back up. See right. how long my tail is? That's huge. Yeah, I okay. made that just insanely long. That's good. Um, so that you can start the scarf part. You're going to turn it on its side. Oh, that's Does cool. that make sense? Yes. So you're done ribbing. You're going to turn it on its side. And then you will crochet. You're going to change your hook. That's ah. important. Change your hook to the Don't bigger hook. Don't forget to change to your hook. 6.5 hook. Okay. And then you're going to chain one for your turning chain and single crochet depending upon the size. The size. Got it. 45, 47, or 49 stitches across. across. Okay on that the shorter side there right got which it. should be one single crochet in each row that you did got it if that makes sense yes. you're gonna single crochet in each row then this is the part that miss nicole had to help me on because i was like i don't understand what she's saying but it makes sense when you do it so yeah. i'm one of the people that i have to like do, do it, it as i go yes so for the first row for the basically the first row and the pattern all the way throughout until you reach your length is you're going to chain one for your turn. You're going to single crochet in the first stitch. You're going to skip a stitch and single crochet in that next stitch. Got it. Okay. Then going in front of the stitch that you just did. The one that you skipped. The one you're going to go back into the one that you skipped mm -hmm. and do a single crochet there. Does that make sense? Yep. Then you're going to skip the one that you already did. did and go into the next single crochet and then you keep doing that yeah you keep going back and forth yeah. you skip one and go back to the one that you just skipped so you're kind of crisscrossing your single crochets back mm -hmm. and forth mm -hmm. all the way down does that make sense it does chain one turn do it again yep. chain one turn do it again until you reach your sweater length oh you just keep doing that yes you That's keep easy. doing that i could do that yeah yeah and you make okay. it as long as you want yeah and then when you get to that length mm -hmm. however long you want then you're going to chain 51 oh. again to make your other sleeve yes okay so that's the other sleeve part. that's the Got other sleeve it. you're going to chain 51 okay and then you're going to go back 
and single crochet that on 51 the on the back loop only mm-hmm. and you're going to also connect back into the sleeve so you're going to make sure that your last stitch attaches mm. to the sleeve got it does that make or not to the sleeve i'm sorry to, to the, the scarf. scarf yeah yeah so that last stitch does need to attach to the scarf got it does that make sense yep and then you're going to work in your back loops only single crochet and back loops all only way. all mm-hmm. the way to get the ribbing until you've done that 45 to 47 to times yeah. yeah got it 45 47 49 okay times depending on how wide your scarf is yes. does that make sense mm-hmm and then once you've done that and finished and fastened fastened off, you're going to leave an extra long tail again because you need to sew because it you need up. to sew it up. Uh-huh. So then you're going to take the tails on both sides and sew, sew up the sleeves. the sleeves, and that's it. That's so easy. Right? I could do that. You so can do that. Okay, we have to work that together. Yes. Okay. So okay. the way that I like to do my ribbing yes. is a little bit different. Yes. Tell so me. I like to once I have my chain, mm-hmm. I'm going to slip stitch. Oh. In every chain, every chain, every okay. chain on the way back. Okay. And then I'm going to half double crochet into the back chain only. Oh. So it makes it look like it's knit. Yeah. Right. Because then you get the V. You have a V popping oh, up cool. as the rib uh-huh. each time. And then that half double crochet is the part that pops to the back. That's Does cool. that make sense? Yeah. So it comes out to be about the same size, but sure. that's how I like to do my ribbing. Neat. So it's, you're alternating between slip, slip stitching stitch and half double and crochet. half double crochet. Cool. Yeah. So I that's like how that. I like to do the ribbing. Cool. Yeah. So that's our stitches for I'm today. I'm so excited to do this project. This project is going to be amazing. It's amazing. Take a stitch. <laughs> okay. I am dying. It's story time. It's, yes. 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 It's okay, story time. All right. Story time. So this week, this is kind of a ghost solving murders. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but this that first, is awesome. yeah, and I have three today. The first one, though, just to, like a disclaimer, uh huh, it can be considered either a ghost solving a murder or the first psychic tale to solve a murder. But either way, it's still a fascinating true event. Oh, that's so cool. You ready? Yes. The Red Barn Murder. Red Barn Murder. She has pictures. I have pictures. I love it. Okay. So the the morbid story takes place in Polstead, Suffolk, England. It is 1826. Ooh, Victorian era. Yes. Where, where mediums were like really hot in the Victorian era. Were they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll have to talk about that yeah, in another podcast. I think Queen podcast. Victoria loved mediums. Really? I think so. Interesting. Okay, we'll have to get into that I might that be remembering more. that wrong. No, you might be, you might not be. We'll have to okay. get into that. But yeah, as I said, so it's 1826, and this story uh, revolves around Maria Martin, 24 years old, and she's an attractive young lady, mm-hmm. uh, but has had two children out of wedlock. <gasps> yeah. Maria. Maria gets around. Um, <laughs> her first... Or she's pretty, and guys are taking no, advantage of she's her. She's very pretty. But no, she knows what she's doing. Oh, okay. Just heads okay. up. She knows okay. what she's doing. Her first um, child, unfortunately, died as an infant. 
and was with a fellow named Thomas Corder. And that's going to sound familiar soon. He didn't want to get married to her just because she had his child. So he supported her financially up until the infant passed. So he's a good gentleman in a sure, way. Good gentleman. I'm not going to marry you. But I don't want to marry you. Well, You're not okay. marriage material, apparently. Yeah. I, I Different time. Different, <laughs> different times. They had to marry for money and for right. reasons. And she probably, I don't know what her situation was, but it sounds I mean, like she didn't have a very good dowry or something. Ex- he needed yeah, a, a higher position. She, I mean, Polstead was a very small town. So mm-hmm. it's like, I think most people wanted to marry outside just to kind of, like you're saying, like go to London. Yeah. They need know. to better their situation. Yeah, yeah. But she, yeah. So, okay. So yeah. They I'm didn't marry. Fortunate insane times mm-hmm. i don't want to go back there no nope, i'm good we are not going back to those times people <laughs> no we're not Rant over. you're all good you're all good <laughs> maria moved on to date a london native named peter matthews who visited polstead frequently to see a sister and she had his child yay <laughs> same story though peter did not want to marry her oh maria she was cool with it though it sounds like she was all good with this she's like situation. i don't want to get married yeah she loved being free apparently okay and they didn't have birth control back then well <laughs> wah, wah, wah. yeah all right neighbors gossiped about her so much that this kept maria out of polstead to live her best life she was like, nope, I'm cool. I'm going to get out of this little neighborhood. Okay. So yeah. she's like a modern woman. She's a very modern woman. Okay. Yeah. I like this Maria. Yeah, she's cool. Men found her irresistible and charming and she basked in this. She's like, yeah, I know what I got. That's what I'm telling you. She's cool with everything. At some point, though, on passing back from London, she started taking fancy with 22-year-old William Corder. Yes, this is Thomas Corder's younger brother. Oh, no. Yeah. She's like, oh, the quarter family. Hey, okay. Nope, you don't dip your ink in the same well, or well, I guess the other way. The other way. <laughs> hey, yeah. William Quarter wasn't the most upstanding citizen, though. He was known for fraudulently selling his father's pigs as well as forging checks. Oh, no, not, William, not the coolest. Come on. Yeah. Uh, most likely due to Maria's reputation around town, William did not want to publish the relationship. But you know, it's a small town. Right. So people things, are going to find out. Yeah, people yeah. are going to find out. He was really sweet to her, though, and would call her my sweet Maria or my lovely tulip. My lovely tulip. Yeah. <laughs> and they would rendezvous in the Red Barn often. Oh. And on cue, Maria was pregnant again in 1826. She'll uh, never learn. Nope. William was much kinder and sweeter than his older brother, and neighbors started to note the fact that they were courting. Uh, and he did start to hit marriage since she was now worried about her third illegitimate child. Yep. At this point, William's three brothers and father had perished within 18 months of each other. What happened? Oh, lots of little weird, mysterious things. Like Oh, weird. The last one, uh, his, his brother was trying to cross a pond to get to a neighbor to, to do something. And, uh-huh. and the pond gave way right in the middle and they couldn't save him. So he died in. Like oh my in the pond gosh yeah that is bizarre Icy pond, yeah but yeah so 18 months of each other okay maria finally gave birth in april of 1827 but unfortunately the infant passed soon after and speculations are because the infant was born sickly it never recovered but no one really knows why the infant passed 
That's Mar- so sad. I know. Uh, Maria was really weak and, and ill upon return to Polstead after giving birth. So Mrs. Martin, her mom, was taking care of the baby. And I'm sorry, I meant to say stepmom, but only died a couple weeks later. Oh, no. Most likely to still keep the baby a secret from townsfolk, they took the baby after it had been dead for two days in the house. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And in the still of the night, buried it in a field nearby. Well, apparently the story is they went to William's house where Maria was staying and then William went to bury the child. Aww. Yeah. Even though William hinted at marriage, he never went through with it. Well, no, because the, there's no baby anymore. No, so exactly. why should he? Ah. While Maria lay ill with her child struggling to live at that point, Maria's, that was, you know, before they buried it, Maria's father and stepmother kept pressuring William to propose, but he never did. Mm-hmm. But on Friday, May 18th, William Corder barged into the Martin's house where he found Maria in her bedroom, along with her stepmother, Anne. William tried to rush Maria out of the house to leave with them right then and there. The mm-hmm. reason... Okay. William wanted to take her to Ipswich because the magistrate sent a warrant for her arrest because of her bastard children. Oh my gosh. She's <laughs> going to be arrested because she has illegitimate children. This is what he said he heard. He's like, they're going to arrest you. We need to go get married now so we can I can save you. Yeah. Uh It scared her a lot, but she was frantic as to what was going up to where because she had just woken up and she was still in bed where. What about her things? You know, it was like chaos. Yeah. And William was one step ahead and had brought some of his brother's Thomas's old clothing. He told her if she wanted to hide from the public, she was to wear them out and he would hide her in the red barn. Then he would grab her belongings that she would pack up and bring them to her. The plan, again, like I said, was to marry her in Ipswich. When Maria was ready to go, they planned to exit separately and meet again prior to the red barn. So Mrs. Martin confirmed, she said this, she knew this, that Maria exited the back door, William the front door, and when she was looking out the cottage window, she swore she saw them join and walk together to the red barn between 1230 and 1 p.m. that day. Okay. Sunday, May Uh 20th. This is a couple days later, right? Right. Right. 9 a.m. William visits Thomas and Ann Martin, her parents and her her father and her stepmom, and he lets them know he left Maria in Ipswich. They hadn't married yet, but he had to go get a marriage license. Mm-hmm. But complications such as signatures required in London wouldn't allow them to be properly wed for another month or more. OK, so he just wanted to run away with her. Did OK. He? Oh, no. <laughs> Weeks went by and Anne would see William and ask for updates, but she received no correspondences from Maria herself. Okay, so wait. So wait. Her stepmom. Yeah. I was counting stitches, so I just want to make sure I have this right. (laughs) She's crocheting at the same time, which this is what we would do. Yeah. Okay. So her stepmom saw William on the regular or would just see him. William would come back to Polstead. Okay. And give her and updates. give her updates about Maria. About Maria. But she would never hear from she Maria. She would never hear from Maria herself. Oh. Sketch, right? Yep. Not good. Like I said, weeks went by. Yeah. This made Anne wonder if William really was going to propose or just keep her as a mistress, like you said, just kind of run yeah. away with her. But then weeks turned into months. By fall, Anne Martin still had not heard directly from Maria. William made excuses such as she had an accident and hurt her hands so she couldn't write. Oh, BS, dude. But would say he had just saw her and she was doing really well or she was just too busy doing, you know, 
living her life. When William first met with Anne, he told her she was friends with Miss Rowland, sister of schoolfellow of William. So like one of his friend's sisters, they were hanging out together all the time. And that's why she was busy. Uh-huh. So, but, but. And then they you, aren't married yet though, no, right? No, and so He's still waiting for that license to come through. Uh, no. Yeah, and no. the funny part is, I didn't put this in my notes, that Roland, sometimes he would say it wrong or he'd spell it wrong. Uh-huh. So they're like, is there a Miss Roland? Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, more excuses would come that she was with Miss Roland visiting the seaside. Right. No, she wasn't. Yeah, when others asked about Maria, he would make a totally other stories up. Like she was in France because she wanted to travel. So he's making up. How are people like? Yeah, no. This is 1800s. This, but still like, no. Yeah. How would you accept that? That's, it's mind boggling yeah. to me. This is crazy. Isn't it insane? The town gossip Phoebe Stowe poked and prodded him, asking him questions like, where's Maria? Where's your child? As Mrs. Ann Martin had already leaked that out. Or why don't you live with Maria? Why don't they have any more children? And aren't you scared when you're not with her? Perhaps somebody else is because, you know, <laughs> Maria, she had that reputation. Uh, his response to the latter, oh no, when I am not with her, I am quite sure nobody else is. Yeah, because he killed her. I don't need to worry. And all the questions were visibly affecting him. September 8th. Remember that happened in May? September yeah. 8th. He oh tells Thomas and Ann Martin that he feels terribly ill and he needs to visit a spa for a short holiday and that he promises to rejoin Maria and marry her once he's better. Oh, bull crap October <laughs> God. he writes the Martins again and says they're about to depart for the Isle of Wight for fun and that he's all better so now they're they're both traveling to the Isle of Wight together I okay no <laughs> so much about this is like I don't understand how her parents are oh, but complacent she's, in no she's not her. his stepmom's still like freaking out but the dad, dad the dad's like well she had this reputation it's better that she's not here and they're taking care of her only child remember she does have a child still remember the one boy right and, and they're taking so care the of the dad and but okay yeah and it's a boy so a boy. i'm sure he's like oh my son this is my heir so i'm sure he's happy he's okay to let that. his wife deal with the heir yeah i hate it's terrible this right so much this is ridiculous. And like, I don't understand why <laughs> I'm all fired up right now. Good. I don't understand why William keeps just feeding them lies yeah. and why he's. And everyone's okay with it. That makes no sense to me. Yep. This is the most bizarre thing. Yep. I've ever heard. Small town too. No, 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 no. Because like even in Jane Austen. <laughs> but that was, yeah. That was I, I, I know it's fiction, but like still in Jane Austen, when her sis in 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 uh, Pride and Prejudice, when her sister runs away with Mr. Wickham, like they're on them within like a oh, couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, I know. This is Bonkers. ridiculous. I know. Oh, I'm so mad. Okay, we're getting to the good part. <laughs> okay, <laughs> December. December. That was May. Don't May forget. December romance. Ooh. Okay. William had seemed to disappear. No one had heard from Maria. Still, this is when Anne Martin begins to have vivid nightmares oh. about Maria. Even her husband, Thomas, complained about them at the tavern. And stepdaughter, sister to Maria, Anne, her, so Anne's a, the sister of Maria. Right, Anne, right. Another Anne. Right. She was heard to say, she's going queer, her mom. Mm -hmm. Keeps saying Maria comes to her in the night and knocking on the door and shouting for help. Ought to be put away. 
Tilda. About, about her own mother? About her own mother. Her namesake? Well, stepmother. There's again, stepmother. Oh, okay. So Anne, Anne is. So, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't explain it. Too. Okay. And there's two Anne's. Okay. So Maria and Anne are sisters. sister sisters. They're right. not A and sisters. Yeah, they're sisters. Okay, because I was thinking that Anne was Anne a half sister. No, was half sisters. They're full sisters. So they're full sisters, and the and stepmom. Anne with okay, an gotcha. E is a stepmom. Gotcha. All right. Now, nightmare soon drifted away from Maria's stepmother, but then in April, she told her husband he needed to go to the red barn and look around. Pondering why he should do that, Anne responded calmly, "I have dreamed a great deal about Maria recently." Twice before Christmas, when I wasn't sleeping well, I dreamed that she was murdered and buried in the red barn. He like buried her in the red barn. That's like, what she says. She, she That's her nightmares. Yes. <sighs> Thomas asked why she didn't tell him all this before. And she said, I didn't want to worry you. And at first I thought it was just a bad dream. Then it came to me so real that I felt it must have happened. But still, I didn't say anything because I thought you'd think me mad or superstitious. In her dream, mm-hmm. Anne stated she couldn't see the murderer, but that her corpse was buried underneath the right-hand bay of the further side of Corder's Red Barn. And the Red Barn belongs to the Corders. Right, 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 right. right. Anne insisted the dream was exactly the same every time she had it and wow. was very sure of the details in her dream and was, again, very calm and collected about it. After a few nights of debate and thinking his wife was insane and with Thomas not wanting neighbors to catch on that she was insane, he finally said, you know what? I'm going to fulfill your wish and examine the barn. Okay. Good job, Dad. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> but you know what pushed him to Way do to it? do something about your right? daughter's murder. Yeah. But, you know, Man. it wasn't her pushing him to do it. This is the funny part. He said... The recollection that there were tales the Red Barn was haunted many years ago and that there was apparently a ghost in the pond at Helen's Bottom that the rector of Polstead was called in to exercise. So basically, if there are tales of ghosts, maybe her nightmares were real. Oh, my Isn't that gosh. insane? So instead of believing your wife. Her wife that's been having like, dreams. Maybe ghosts are real because it's been were, exercised. Because they called the priest in. <laughs> the crazy that's so crazy. I hate it so much. I know. Now, Thomas's Thomas's excuse to search the barn was maybe Maria left some clothes in there. So that's what he's thought of. He's like, okay, we're going to go see if like maybe because they knew Maria was in the red barn a lot. Right. But the barn was locked up and William Corder had the key. Asking if there was a spare, the foreman said it was actually really strange because before last May, William never worried about the key. Of but then insisted not. on keeping it and never letting it out of his sight after May. If anyone asked to go in, he would accompany them, stay there until they were done and lock up afterwards. Oh my gosh. So this is so <laughs> insane. Like he's being so insanely suspicious. Oh, he's sus. He's so he's totally he's sus. sus. He's totally <laughs> sus. <laughs> I have that in there somewhere. Do you? I do. That's awesome. All right. So Thomas Martin asked Mrs. Corder, uh, the mom. Mm-hmm. And her bailiff to search with the excuse to look for Maria's clothes. And it was granted. April 19th, he went straight to the right-hand bay where his wife said Maria was murdered. And sure enough, he picked up some corn and saw large stones on the floor with disturbed earth beside them. He started poking the soft earth with a rake he found and found a small black object. 
After Thomas and the bailiff started digging more, then they found a round, sharp iron, about a foot long, like a hay spike. Mm -hmm. They felt like something else was buried. So two hours later, after getting more assistance, they dug up a corpse that had been tied up in a sack. (sighs) And the hold... The hole, sorry, the hole was only three and a half feet in length. So the body was all folded up. Oh my God. Yeah. Even the boat. Yeah. Even though the body was badly decomposed, Thomas recognized the shawl, earrings, combs, and clothing that Maria owned and wore the day she left for good. That's why the scarf. Because Nicole, uh, um, when I asked her what, (laughs) giving away our secrets here, giving away our secrets here, I asked her what stitch I should do. She's like, maybe make a scarf, maybe make a shawl. There's another story for that one. Is there? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Okay. But this is like a year later too, almost. Yes. So this is April and this happened in May, May. the year before. A whole year. They left the body for the night. And I put, ah! No! Why would they, they left do it that? in the barn and they reported it to the police. Yeah. So, so it's going to be gone the next day, though, if William knows no, that they found it. No, Did William, William has no idea. Oh, OK. Remember, he's gone and nobody knows oh, where right. he is okay. and they haven't heard from him in a while. OK. okay. But they went to the police. So okay. the coroner and the police arrived the next morning and they noticed bloodstains on the floor of the barn. They were also bullet holes in the barn door. <gasps> Upon further examination, it looked like she was hit with a sharp object in the head and that a handkerchief around her neck had been pulled tight enough to cause death. Oh, Maria. The handkerchief belonged to William Corder. Of course it did. Because he... (laughs) He's so ridiculously dumb here. He's very dumb. Since forensic pathology was a lot more primitive in those times, they weren't exactly sure if she was shot as well, but more on this soon. I'm going to come back. Okay. Okay. So, well, in this case, police actually acted quickly and efficiently. (gasps) Yay, police. Not like other police around here. Right. That's exciting. Yeah. So after contacting so many people, police constable Lee found Corden married to another woman and living with her and her family (gasps) in a private school for girls in London where they also worked. Uh, he was married already of course he was that's why they didn't hear from him anymore yep he's got a nice family and they're all well to do so (gasps) ridiculous 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 Ridiculous. Uh. no this is the fun part he introduced himself as a police officer from london and pulled cordon aside into the parlor to tell him about a serious charge this is what he says Mm -hmm. the charge concerns a woman named maria martin with whom you used to keep company she has been missing for a very long time, and it is suspected that you know where she is. Do you know her? Corden responded, no, I never knew such a person. <laughs> liar, liar, pants liar. on fire. But Lee basically said, okay, well, you're still my prisoner. He searched mm-hmm. him, found, took his keys, and Corder asked to talk to his wife in private before he was taken, and that was denied. However, he asked to finish his breakfast and this was allowable. <laughs> so, okay. Go. Can't go to jail on an empty stomach. <laughs> I guess so. They were actually kind of nice about that. Yeah. That's so right? bizarre. So Corder was finally detained and after searching that current home, Lee found a small sword and that was confiscated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Soon after Maria was buried, the coroner got together with a team made of a doctor and a surgeon that had also seen Maria's body. They wanted to exhume her body uh-huh. after it was buried to do a more thorough inspection. Yeah. Which they should have just kept it out and did it before that. But I don't know. But yeah. yeah, so they did. They exhumed her body. And yes, there was a pistol ball that entered her neck. And they also inspected the clothes she was wearing and noticed there was a wide cut in the side indicating she was stabbed with a sharp instrument. <sighs> 
They didn't notice this at first because the decomposition of Maria's body had soaked the clothing and was hard to figure out in her position of burial. Remember, she's like cramped mm -hmm. up in yeah, a small yeah, sack. Yeah, yeah. And again, as mentioned before, forensic pathology was archaic in these times. So right. this is funny. What did this lead them to do? They charged William Corder with murder in 10 different ways. Let me read them to you. This is silly. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, what? One, shooting her with a pistol. Uh-huh. Two, stabbing with a sword in the ribs. Three, stabbing in the face. In the face? In the face. In the face. In the face. Four, oh. stabbing in the side of the neck. Oh, my gosh. Five, strangulation with a handkerchief. Six, shooting her in the left side of the face. Yeah. They what? didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. I think they just didn't realize how to proceed with this. So they right. were just like, let's throw everything Yeah, in. one of these is going to stick. She died in one of these one ways. One of these ways. <laughs> Seven, oh. throwing and pushing her into the hole, dug into the ground and throwing earth on her, therefore suffocating her. <laughs> Eight, throwing her in a hole and burying her. Right. Nine, stabbing her in the left side and strangling at the same time. And 10, by all the four wounds mentioned above and by strangler and by suffocating her. So they're just covering all their bases. Yes. They're going to make sure they get this They're going to make sure they get them. Oh, my gosh. And you know what? Maria. What? Quarter pled not guilty. Of course he did. He's that <laughs> he's so arrogant. Dumb. Okay. Oh, idiot. So witness upon witness was interviewed at the trial. Mm -hmm. And her stepmom gave the details to the T of the day that she disappeared. But she was never asked about her dreams, nor did she willingly talk about them. Okay. When William Corder was on the stand, he claimed he and Maria had a fight about the burial of the baby and the marriage and that he left her in the barn and that he was walking away. He heard the pistol go off and she committed suicide. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Totally on fire. Oh my gosh. But all the evidence was against him. Well, yeah. The jury found him guilty in a little over an hour or half an hour. Sorry. Nice. And he was hung a <gasps> week later. Whoa. Yeah. In jail. Uh -huh. He did confess to killing Maria, but only by shooting her, not stabbing her, which I think is BS. That's total BS. Like, yeah, no, he did everything to make sure she was dead. Come on. Heinous act. That is so disgusting. that is the Red Barn murder. Oh, disgusting. So what? I'm going to do this after every case. Thoughts. Do you think it was ghost trying to tell Anne? Oh, absolutely. Or do you think it was psychic? No, 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 no. Ghost visit in dreams. So yes, it was absolutely Maria. Like enough of this BS. Come get me. Good. Okay. Yeah. It was definitely a ghost. It was that Maria. They, they communicate in dreams. Yep. And so, yeah. Telling her stepmom. Yeah. Like this is me. This is where I am. Come get me. Yeah. So, it, And it's strange that they're like, oh, her dreams are weird, but like, how did she know exactly where she was buried? Yeah. Isn't that creepy? Like she knew where to find, like she told Thomas, like this is her this location. Is, this is where she is. Yeah. 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 Maria told her. Yeah. Like this is there's not a doubt in my mind. Isn't that crazy? It's yeah. Okay. Second one. I love that. I, okay. <laughs> I love it. And I hate it at the same time. Right. You guys know where I'm at. It was true you crime. You guys get me. I know. <laughs> the second case is called the Greenbrier ghost. This is very well known. I think yeah I think you probably know about this one yeah I don't yeah I don't I don't this know if I know the story but like I've heard of the Greenbrier Greenbrier ghost okay I've heard of that yeah so this next definite ghost solving murder has some similarities to the previous story the setting densely populated Greenbrier County West Virginia and the year is 1895 
Elva Zona Hester, and she went by Zona, which I love, <laughs> love it. has just given birth to an illegitimate child. Oh, no. See? ties. And that's all we really know about Zona, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, no. So, there you go. October of 1896, Zona met Erasmus, or Edward, as he went by, Stribbling Trout Shoe, who had come to Greenbrier to work as a blacksmith. They fell madly in love and ended up marrying soon after. However, Zona's mother, Mary Jane Robinson Hester, despised Edward. She thought he had something to hide, but despite how she felt in her intuition, the couple were inseparable. Things were fine and dandy for the two for a while, until January 23rd, 1897. Edward had a young boy as an apprentice working for him and told him to go to his house and ask Zona if she wanted anything from the store. Not sure if the boy knocked on the door or just let himself in, but upon entrance, he found Zona lying in a sleep-like position at the bottom of the stairwell. This is the weird part. Her legs were together, stretched out in front of her, one arm stretched across her stomach, and the other hand by her side and her head was tilted to one side. That is a very strange so position. So she looked like she okay. was sleeping. Right. He tried calling out to her with no response. So he booked it home to tell his mother, then to the local doctor and coroner, George W. Knapp, and then the police. However, Dr. Knapp takes nearly an hour to make it over to the shoe home. So it takes an hour. Okay. So before he gets there, though, guess who gets there first? Edward. Edward arrives first on the scene. And instead of leaving her be, he carries Zona up the stairs and lays her on their bed and dresses her. Now, uh-huh. this is not customary at the time. Right. Because normally ladies of the community would change deceased women and their burial clothing. So he he took he it went upon up, himself. Yeah. yeah. Edward picks out mm. a high collar dress and a veil to place over her face. Okay. When Dr. Knapp finally arrives to examine Zona, Edward is struck with immense grief and is just bawling over his dead wife, sobbing and cradling her head the entire time. Dr. Knapp is just trying to do his job, but with Edward in the way he can't examine very well. Right. It's a hasty examination. So Dr. Knapp does notice some slight bruising around her neck, but every time he tries to get a closer look, Edward reacts violently and becomes very agitated with the doctor. Mm-hmm. Dr. Knapp didn't want to even attempt any more tries. He's like, I don't, I, I, I get paid too much for this. So he right. chalks up Zona's death to everlasting faint, but then changes it to complications from pregnancy. Okay. So Zona was seeing Dr. Knapp for a few weeks prior to her death due to female trouble, but it was <laughs> unknown if she was actually pregnant. So that's okay. why he was like, okay, well, he, she was seeing me for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Most likely that's why she died. We'll just chalk it up to that. So complications of, of pregnancy, pregnancy yeah. is why she died. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yes. Medicine was so good. Okay. A wake was held for Zona in the shoe home so friends and family could see her body before burial. However, mm-hmm. Edward insisted no one get close to the body. He also tied her favorite scarf around her neck. Oh, scarf again. Okay. Because it was always her favorite. Uh-huh. Then he also placed a pillow on one side of her head and a folded cloth on the other so that she could rest easier. Uh Definitely sus. Right? He is definitely protecting her neck. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Zona's mother, Mary Jane Hester, was definitely not convinced she died of natural causes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It is said that Mary Jane prayed and prayed for Elva Zona to come to her from death and tell her the truth about 
how she died. Mm-hmm. She prayed every evening for weeks. And finally, four weeks later, her prayers were answered. <gasps> Way to go, Zona. Right? Go get her. Zona appeared to Mary Jane for four nights in a row. In her, in this, like her visit, Zona first appeared to her as a bright light and then took her human form and made her room shockingly cold. She mm-hmm. told her mother that Edward was very cruel and abusive towards her. And one night, because she did not make any meat for his supper, <gasps> he flew into a rage. Edward broke Zona's neck and Zona's ghost told Mary Jane this as she turned her head completely around and walked away while staring back at her. Oh, weird. That is a weird thing to dream about. Oh. It wasn't a dream. This was actual visits. Oh, so she wasn't visiting in her dreams. dreams. No. This was she was full awake. She was fully <gasps> wow. awake. That's why I'm saying okay. it made the room cold. She saw the light. Yeah. Yeah. And saw her for four nights in a row. Did she do the same thing four nights same in a row? Same thing four <gasps> nights in a row. These visits pushed Mary Jane into confiding in local prosecutor John Alfred Preston. She explained the nightly visitations from her deceased daughter and how she was murdered. Not sure if he actually believed Mary Jane or if the town was already suspicious of Zona's death, right? right? Yeah. But Preston did end up questioning everybody in town. Mm-hmm. The consensus was Edward was acting quite peculiar at the wake and Dr. Knapp confessed the examination of Zona's body was not thorough. All of this led Preston to request and obtain a warrant for an exhumation of Zona's body and for a proper autopsy. Yeah. Edward objected to all of, of this. Of course he did. But he was totally ignored. Once the autopsy was performed, it was concluded that Elva Zona's neck was broken and bruising indicated that her windpipe was severely crushed. <gasps> Edward Shue was arrested and taken into custody to be tried. Apparently, his last words on the way to jail were, they cannot prove I did it. Oh, that's totally an admission of guilt, dude. Yep. They can't prove I did it. Yep. Even, like, nope, you can't prove it. Yep. Even though I did it, you can't prove nope. it. Nope. Such a jerk. Such a jerk. Um, okay, so wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Edward mm-hmm. sent somebody to his house. His, his apprentice, a he little boy. He sent his apprentice to his house. To check if his wife wanted something from the store. Yeah. Why? What if, do you think? If he knew his wife was dead. Because to put on this whole act. Oh. Oh, my God. So that I he didn't would, do it. Yeah, because then. She's like, dead. She's dead. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> there you go. Now, Preston did He's more. He's still an idiot, He's though. An, oh, very much. Because watch. Okay. Preston okay, did okay. some more digging into Edward Shoe's past. Yes. And Mary Jane's intuition about him was spot on. Right. Okay. Edward had been married twice before. <gasps> the first wife told police that he was extremely abusive and violent, but he was put in jail for stealing a horse. And when they when he was in jail, they divorced. OK, good on her. His second wife died safe. mysteriously after only eight months of marriage. Oh, Edward. And supposedly while in prison. Shu was overheard boasting about wanting to marry seven women in his lifetime. Ew. 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 That was when he stole the horse. Ew. Ew. June 23rd, Ugh. 1897. Uh-huh. The trial for Elva Zona Hester Shu's murder began and lasted for eight days. Even though the prosecutor tried to avoid questioning Mary Jane regarding her ghostly visits, she still told the jury that her ghost did indeed tell her about the murder. 
Mm-hmm. Her detailed story, unfortunately, was ruled inadmissible and evidence against Edward was circumstantial. However, the jury obviously believed Mary Jane, but did not want to admit it. Uh-huh. Good jury. The verdict? Guilty. Guilty. Yes. And Edward was sentenced to life in prison. 10 out of 12 jurors vote voted for execution, but it was not unanimous, so they couldn't do it. Okay. This did not sit well with the townsfolk uh-huh. and a lynch mob formed, <gasps> believing that he needed to be hanged for his crime. Right. However, authorities saw them coming and moved Edward to the state prison in Moundsville before the mob could reach the jail. Oh, wow. Edward Shue died in prison in 1900. This is only three years after he was put in prison. Wow. One article says it was from a mysterious disease. One site says an epidemic hit the prison that spring. Either way, just those few years after he was in prison so maybe the townsfolk got what they wanted in a way yeah right yeah he's gone so currently what's crazy is greenbrier county has a historical marker that commemorates elvazona's death and strange trial for it states it was the only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped convict a murder well that's a cool plaque yeah it's really cool now, by the way, last thing way about this, Zona. you have to look at this. This is really cool. I'm going to show okay, you. Okay. Okay. Atlasobscura.com. Atlasobscura.com. There's a graphic history of this case. It's like comic book form. Oh. In this really oh. cool way of draw. Not like comic comic book, but like right. a really cool illustration uh-huh. of all of this. Interesting. And I really enjoyed it. So yeah. Okay. Check it out. Cool. 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 I will. Okay. That's the green briar ghost. That was a good one. Yeah. Last one I've got for you. Okay. I'm calling this because this was the TV movie that it, <laughs> it was called Voice from the Grave. Voice from the Grave. Oh, she looks sweet. No, is she the murderer? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> she saw my face. No, 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 that's not it. All right. Teresita Bassa. Teresita Bassa. Born in the Philippines. Oh, okay. In 1929. Hey, Philippines. Hey, Filipina. While there, she was able to attend Assumption College in Manila and most likely for music. <gasps> Yay! Because she decided to move to the United States to perfru- pursue a master's degree in music at Indiana University. Hey! Yeah. She also then studied inhalation therapy, which led to a job as a respiratory therapist in Chicago, Illinois at the Edgewater Hospital. That is an interesting thing to study. Right? She was smart. Yeah. Good girl. She was a very caring, reserved person. And while working her job, she started attending Loyola University, working on her music doctorate. Yay. Right? And in her free time, she offered complimentary piano lessons to neighborhood children. Oh, that is so sweet. She was a caring, sweet lady. Okay. February 21st, 1977. Oh, good year. <laughs> <laughs> Bossa's friend Ruth Loeb called her up and they talked for half an hour. Loeb later testified that Bossa was expecting a friend over but didn't have any other details about it. An hour later, neighbors complained of smelling smoke from Teresita's 15th floor apartment and ended up calling the fire department. When they were able to enter her apartment, firefighters extinguished a fire on a mattress. Mm. And shockingly, Underneath the mattress was Teresita's nude body with the butcher knife in the middle of her chest. Why would you kill Teresita? No, she's, she's the sweetest, so right? Sweet. Yep. 
At first sight, investigators assumed she was sexually assaulted, but under more scrutiny, this was not the case. Once they finished the examination, her body was flown back to her home in the Philippines for a proper burial. Interviews were conducted on her family, friends, and neighbors, but because she was such a sweet soul, they had no leads as to who would commit such a heinous crime. Right. The only strange clue they found was a note in Teresita's diary that said, get tickets for A.S. For A.S. A.S. In the okay. capital A.S. Okay. But that could have been anything. There was just no physical evidence on Teresita's body, no witnesses, no real clues, anything to solve her murder. The case went cold. Oh, Teresita. Six months later, Detective Joe Statula received word from the Evanston Police Department that they had some new info on Ter- Teresita's case. Nice. Yeah. Detective okay. Statula and Lee Eplin followed up and they were told to contact Dr. Jose Chua in Skokie, Illinois. Remy Chua. She's his wife of surgeon Dr. Jose Chua was also a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hotel. Oh, sorry. Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No. Edgewater (laughs) Hospital and co-worker of Teresita. And she enters the picture. Okay. Okay. Dr. Chua claimed that his wife, Remy, had possessed was had been possessed. Sorry. On three separate occasions. Oh, wow. By none other than Than Teresita. At first, he didn't believe his wife, but Remy said to him in a trance-like state and in a heavy Tagalog accent that was not her own, Doctor, I would like to ask for your help. The man who murdered me is still at large. When Dr. Chua asked who she was, Remy responded in Tagalog, Ako y Teresita Basa. Or, I am, am Teresita Bassa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ramey, or Teresita, said he had nothing to be scared of and that she was pleading with him to solve her murder. Then Dr. Chua's wife said, in Teresita's accent, that Alan Shorey, a technician at Edgewater Hospital, had killed her. <gasps> A.S. A.S. When Dr. Chua asked the voice why she had allowed Shorey inside her apartment, she replied because he was a friend. Half an hour later, Remy Chua snapped out of her trance. This was the third trance and had no recollection of what she had said to her husband. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, I'm sorry. That was after the first trance. The first trance. Yeah. Remy did it a few more times and that's when they decided to contact the police. Wow. But during those trances, Teresita revealed that Shori arrived at her home to help repair her TV, then stabbed her and stole her jewelry. Now, the A.S. initials in Teresita's diary made a little more connection to the Chua story, right? Right. And according to the book Mysterious Chicago, History at Its Coolest by Adam Seltzer, Detective Statula said, I talked to pimps, prostitutes, drug addicts in the Belmont area. Dr. and Mrs. Chua are educated, intelligent people who live in a $90,000 house. house, A distinct change for me. I wanted information on this murder. I listened and acted on what they told me. Good job, detective. Mm -hmm. So detectives learned that 32-year-old Alan Shorey, who was an acquaintance of both Chua and Basa, did indeed work at the hospital as a respiratory technician and would do small jobs for Teresita because he was having some financial problems. When the detectives arrived at Shorey's apartment, they also found his pregnant girlfriend, Yanka Kalmuk, Wearing a pretty pearl ring and jade pendant. That were, I'm guessing they were Teresita's and he stole them from her, yes? She said <gasps> Alan had given them to her as a Christmas present, but alas, yes, this was the jewelry that was taken from Teresita's oh. apartment. 
And idiot, that jewelry, idiot, idiot. yep, <laughs> had originally belonged to her mother. Oh, wow. so obviously they would know that's right, her right, right. They took Shuri into custody, even though he denied killing her. But once at the police station, he did break down and cons- and signed a confession. In that confession, he recanted that he did visit Teresita, attacked and murdered her, stole the jewelry, and started the fire. He stripped her body to make it look like a sexual assault instead of robbery, which proved effective at first, right? Cause right, because they thought, it. yeah, they thought she was assaulted. Yeah. However, later, Shori retracted his confession, stating the police threatened to arrest his pregnant girlfriend if he didn't confess. <laughs> His, yeah, his okay. lawyer, William Swano, tried to have his case dismissed, citing, never to my knowledge has a man been arrested because of a supernatural vision. Police have never before been informed of a criminal's name by a voice from the grave. <laughs> Although he obviously didn't know about my previous case. Yeah, he didn't. See? He's just trying anything he can to try to yep, get his get him out. out. Yep. Yeah. The judge still ordered for the trial to proceed. The prosecutor's office spoke up stating that they were not interested in the supernatural aspect of the trial and that they had found evidence leading to his arrest separately. Boom. There you go. When Shori was finally summoned to court and the case brought forth to the judge and jury, unfortunately, it ended in a mistrial as the jury was deadlocked. (gasps) Oh, what? At the trial, though, public defender did claim Remy faked her possessions because she was fired from her job. Well, <laughs> yeah, but what? why put in an act to point a finger at someone for cold-blooded murder? It's not like Alan Shorey fired her. The rumor was that he was like, she was bad at her job and he was he got her fired. That's, but it was, yeah, that's BS. Oh, come on. That has nothing to do no. with the case at all. At all. But oh, maybe Teresita had gotten to Shorey or most likely knowing he could get a reduced sentence. So while waiting for a new trial, Shorey changed his story again. And did indeed plead guilty. Okay, good. He was sentenced to 14 years in prison for murder, robbery, and arson. And those 14 years Uh were turned into five years because he was released in 1983. Oh, right. So he's like... He's free. And the rumor is he moved to New York and he left. So living his life for murdering somebody. I hate that so much. I know. She was such a sweet woman and he just murdered her because he He wanted... He needed money. Money. Yep. And she was like giving him jobs. She was, she was trying, trying to, to help. help him. This yeah. is so disgusting, Nicole. I know. But oh. at least he got he got put in prison for a little bit, I guess. I don't know. The Chuas wrote a book about the whole ordeal entitled A Voice from the Grave, which was co-authored by friend Carol Mercado. It was also featured on Unsolved Mysteries and turned into a TV movie, Voice from the Grave. We know from this that Rimi Chua had never had another trance-like state or possession and life went back to normal for her. And she really hated the media attention when that all happened. Oh, I'm sure. And the case also was featured as a fact segment for Beyond Belief. But that is the case of Teresita Bassa. Well, Teresita, you were awesome for... I'm so sorry. Right? I feel so... So bad for her. But She's just like, trying to have a good life, doing music, helping people. Yeah. And just trying to be murdered. a good person. And then she gets murdered by a selfish jerk. Uh, you know how much money he got from her? $30. Are That's you kidding all she me? Had. He murdered her for $30. Well, he, he thought he she would have more, but he, she didn't. So $30 and some jewelry and he uh, killed her. I hope she haunts him like 
terribly. I do too. Oh, that's that too. such a weird one to end on, Nicole. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay. So that's why I was saying there's more. And I was like, well, this is a lot for this one. But there is another case that happened like 10 years ago. Uh-huh. So I was like, I'm going to do that. We'll do, but- we'll do more of these because yes. I like this. Right? This is so cool right and like so up my alley and I, I love that it merges everything I know it's so it's good awesome, huh? well thank you for the awesome story time of course. those are so good I like them too okay so are we ready to get into movie time yes okay it's movie time This week's movie. This week's movie is Stir of Echoes. Stir of Echoes. It was released in 1999 because you got a party like it's 1999. Yeah. IMDb rating 6.9 stars and the synopsis. After being hypnotized by a sister-in-law, a man begins seeing haunting visions of a girl's ghost and a mystery begins to unfold around him. So I was trying to tell Angela that this movie came out before... Sixth Sense. Yes. And it's so very similar to it. Just replace the psychiatrist with a dad, right? Right. Yes. But okay. So the the big differences between this, there's a lot of differences between this and Sixth Sense, is that we know that this is happening to the dad and the kid right. that they are seeing dead right, people. Right, right. It's not and a surprise. in Sixth Sense, it's a total surprise. Yes, that's you true. You have no true. idea. Well, the little kid sees dead. Well, he, yeah. The, but you in know. both movies, the little kid yes. see dead people. Which, yes. which little kid did you like more, this one or Sixth Sense? <laughs> <laughs> Haley Joel Osment. He was sweet. Was so good. But this little so kid sweet. was so cute. That Yes. I he was, love this he little was kid. He was cute. He was cute. Yeah. Yes. He reminds me of like one of your kids. So yes, he does. So Probably much. big cheeks, big, yeah, big eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, this movie, the reason why obviously I picked it was because the, the whole synopsis of, I mean, he gets opened up to different energies, right? And different right, worlds. Right, 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 right. So then he's able to help like this ghost keeps visiting him. Right. right. And she was murdered. Yes. And so it really helps him to like, help her which right, I thought right, was really right. cool and, it and it's a it. Kevin Bacon movie guys. And Kevin Bacon. You, can play, you can play the Kevin Bacon game while watching that's this right movie. yeah it it's it's a very 1990s movie yes yes and the way that they talk to each other and how angry they get for like nothing right and it's like way overly dramatic oh, so dramatic <laughs> so dramatic it was crazy I'm just like stop being mad but then there's like it, it's mostly Kevin Bacon he just like gets mad all the time. Yeah. Well, he's like <laughs> just really like funny to me. Well, he's this this guy that lives in Chicago and he wanted to be a rock star. Yeah, he wanted like, to be a rock star. Yeah. And and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm just a lineman. I'm like, linemen make really good money. Really good so money. So I don't know why you're upset about being a lineman. Seriously. Like, did that bother you? It bothered, yes. bothered me. <laughs> no, it, was, it bothered me that he, yeah, that he had this cool house and he had this like awesome wife. And, and he's like, I got a stupid life. Yes. And then the wife called him out on that. And yes. She's like, your stupid life is it's my, my stupid, stupid life. life. And I think it's a pretty darn good one. Right? Yeah. She was, I don't understand how she put up with his ridiculousness. Oh, the whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And she was very patient. He was so angry. Always. At how ridiculous he was. And she was just like, you know, this isn't normal, right? And he's like, get off my back. (laughs) I'm like yelling at her. (laughs) I know. I'm like, 
No, no, you can't get mad at being right. called out on your ridiculousness. Right. Come on. dude. And he like snubs her. I know he's got lots of stuff All going on. He's like, your, your he grandfather died, but I need to dig. Yeah. Or grandmother. Grandmother. Grandmother died, but I've got yeah. to dig. And he ignores her like he's listening to music, trying to figure out what the song is in his head. Yeah. And like just like, ignores uh, her the whole time. I'm like, dude, this is your wife. You're way too self-absorbed. And, and she's pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's like, okay about it. Remember, he's like, eh, right. like, like kid. yeah. Oh, and, and yeah. And the wife doesn't even get to tell him. Yeah. The sister is like, who's just a jerk for no reason. She is. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, you're having another baby. And he's like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, if I, if my like, husband said, I'm like, you know what? Maybe we don't need to be together. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you don't care about this. This sucks. Never right. Mind. Right. So oh. yeah, that was weird. She put up with a lot. She did. And the she's fact. She's a saint of right? a woman. My and, gosh. And like trying to help him figure yeah. out what's going on in his life uh, but the, the weird part for me was like I didn't know if this was real or not the whole like block parties like they went to that house and they were having a big party and they just kept having parties in the in the, in the neighborhood and they there were was parties so many all people the time. yeah all the time trying to because this is a good neighborhood or right. whatever that one neighbor saying. kept saying yeah. this is this is a decent neighborhood that's yeah, what it was decent, decent yeah. neighborhood and they would have they had, they went to a block party and took the baby monitor and the baby monitor was the babysitter. Yes. Right? Yes. The baby mon. they didn't have anybody at the house. It was right across the street, but still. But still. It was weird. No, yeah. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't leave my, my kid. No. no, I don't care. I like barely would leave my kids to just go across the street yes. to, to the mailbox. Yeah. You know, be exactly. like, okay, I will be right back. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's that was weird. But yeah, but you know, that, different times through nineties, people leave I their guess? kids all the time. I guess no, I don't know. No. I mean, well, I was a latchkey kid. Like, were I was you? Too. Yeah. yeah, that was normal. But for I, us. I lived on a military base. Oh, that's a lot true. Of time, so, so you had it was, easier. it was like a community of people. Yeah, they trusted. Yeah. yeah, we were very much more trusting on a on a base when you're like isolated, right? So yeah, it was just weird to me in that fact and the whole like football kids and oh and the other dad like sleazy looking at women like oh that? that was gross yeah yeah it's like again just so like, open about the chauvinism yeah it was so bad and then the wife was like like okay with it you yeah know, like, yeah yeah no 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 that was obviously written by some sleazy men and this is like their fantasy thinking that women are going to be okay yep. with with their men acting like barbarians pigs. and pigs yeah. No, no, it was not okay in the nineties. No, it's not it's okay. Never now. okay. It's never okay. Oh, God, that is so disrespectful gross. and just like just gross, horrible. Yeah, but, but that's not the point of the movie. No, 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 no. Side note, side note. <laughs> Those are the things I'm like nitpicking at. But the whole cool, I I liked how he was hypnotized and like that whole act of it, and then the little things that coming like that come through and the psychic and the seeing the ghosts and things. Yeah. That was those were cool. cool. I liked the way that they did those, the, the scenes with the yeah. ghosts coming in and making things cold and just like the way that it all went bizarro world for yes. a little bit and then came back to normal. Yeah. The, the, that was cool. Yeah. I liked the way they did that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the whole actual, what happened in the end. Oh, his yeah. dream. Like that uh -huh. was kind of crazy too. Yeah. So yeah. So they're really good elements of, of that supernatural, like paranormal. Yeah. The supernatural stuff, the way they handled it, the cold, seeing the breath, yeah. all that. Yeah. That was cool. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he was like digging up his house and no one ever said anything. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was really stupid. It was I'm cute sorry. with the little kid. In yeah, the back he's helping. He's like, I know. 
oh, that was what was the deal with all of the orange juice everywhere? <laughs> Something about being like psychically like hypnotized made him so thirsty for craving orange juice. Yeah, that was that was weird. That was really was, weird. I loved it when she opened the fridge. She was like, it's like all oh, orange juice. Okay. <laughs> She was so calm about it. And there's like mud all in the house. Everywhere. I'm not cleaning that up. Yep. That's not my problem. Yeah. So weird. And then he's like, what? I'm digging. And she's just like, this is not normal, man. Right. This is not cool, dude. Not cool. What? Yeah, she called him out. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, it was was cool. And at the end of the whole scene at the end and the little boy saying I was scared of feathers that got me. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh. I'm scared of the feathers. Me too. When the feathers came raining down at the end, I was yep. like, oh, the feathers. <laughs> the feathers. Yeah, that, that got me too. That yeah. jumped out on me. So there were there were a lot of elements that of this movie that, you know, if they redid the movie and took out a lot of the chauvinism. Yes, it would have been a better movie. Yeah. I agree. And then my last part about this, again, uh-huh. M. Night Shyamalan stole it because <laughs> they're driving away and he's hearing voices and he's covering his ears. Remember in Sixth Sense, yeah. he's looking out the window yeah. and he's Changing sees- your situation is not going to get away from the ghost. Yeah. If you're psychic like that or if that you're a medium, open. you have those tendencies. Yeah. If you're open to other dimensions. Right. You know, you you can't outrun it. You can't. It's but just I mean, the, be with the you. moving. You I get it. Do it. They had to move. Because well, they of, had to move because he ripped the house he, apart. He tore it apart, and it was a, a crime scene. Yes. Like I'm sure they had but, stuff that they had to yeah, do in that house. But, but that but, poor kid. Yeah. And I think there's a stir of echoes too. Oh. I think I don't know for sure, but it would lead itself to a sequel because yeah. the kid still sees yeah dead people yeah and it's. Well, no. I think I don't know for sure. Don't quote me on that if there's not a number two, guys. But right, right, right. Anyway, okay. But anyway, what do you think of the movie? How many stitches would you give it? Uh, uh maybe five, because there were elements of it that I liked, elements of it that were just like I couldn't forgive. Yeah, so, I get it. Yeah, I'm on that same wavelength. Yeah. I'd give it a five too because I've I, I've seen this movie many times, but mm-hmm. like I'll leave it and go oh, I want to watch that again. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the 90s movie. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get like, past all of the 90s feminism. Yes. And you're like, oh, and this- there's elements of like a good yes. story. Yeah, exactly. You just have to like kind of you have to remember the story and forget about the dialogue. And oh, yes, <laughs> then you're there. exactly. But it, yeah, Kevin Bacon, you know, he does good for what he had to go on. I'm sure his yeah. that, that was his line. Those were his lines. He gave him the little kid was great. The little kid was great. Mom was great. So mm-hmm. yeah, I gave it a five. Yeah. Well, good movie. This was a great episode. Yay, fun I love episode. It. If you guys want to continue enjoying episodes with us, we would love it if you would support us. So go Please. find us on our patron page and it's on Podbean. Podbean. So you can go to Podbean and look up TOS and you will, our patron page should pop right up there and yep. you can see it. Any dollar amount that you guys could throw in there to support us to help keep us going would be greatly appreciated. We'd be so happy with that. Because it is just the two of us running this Only podcast. Us two. And, you know, expenses do happen yes. when you're doing this little podcast. Oh, I mean, man. we have lots of yarn. We have lots of other expenses that that are go along with this. Right. And we would just love to find a new way to connect with our community. Yeah. If you guys donate on our patron, we are 
glad to send you guys little trinkets that we're making so and you'll get some you crochet notes. and thank you notes yeah, and shout yeah. outs and special little things that we have planned for our patrons so go find us there you mm-hmm. can also if you don't feel comfortable giving to us that way that's totally fine yep. give us a story oh yes email us at the ominous stitch exactly. at gmail.com because we just want to connect with you any way that we can so let us know any paranormal stories that you have going on we would love to do a listeners episode yay or if you're doing something cool with any of the crochet things that we've talked about on here or if you have any ideas for us for future podcasts please let us know we want to connect with you and have you join our community we would love you in our community yes we would so this was another fantastic episode yeah. i can't believe we're already at the end of it i know time flies time flies when, when you're, you're having, having fun, fun. <laughs> <laughs> so i guess that's it until next time we'll see you stitchers see you stitchers oh.